Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020. This is episode 125, 125. Geez, as I just said that out loud, I realized how fast this year is going. It's already September, and I'm already a quarter of a way through the next 100 episodes of Sherm in the Booth. Woof! But let's keep going. I'm really excited about this episode's interview. It is with the one and only Alex Jewell. Now, Alex is one of the smartest, funniest, and most knowledgeable guys I've ever met, and he's well-versed in many things. But probably what he's best known for is his Chicago Food Review brand. And it was so cool to hear about all the great experiences he's had, and we touched on a lot of different topics in and outside of food. In this episode, guys, we talked about Alex's original love of food and how something so simple has led him to building a massive food review brand. Like I said, one of the biggest in Chicago. We also went deep into the history of Chicago and its growth and development and how the food scene has made a massive impact on what makes Chicago, Chicago. Now I was really curious to find out more from Alex on the psychological and visceral elements to eating food and how environment can play a huge factor and Alex had a ton of interesting information on that. Of course, we talked a ton about food and we did a speed round on some of his favorite places in Chicago on topics including chicken sandwiches, Asian, sushi, a little bit of everything. I kept him on his toes and that was so much fun. And like I also said, Alex is well versed in many different topics. So there was a lot of current events that we wanted to touch on and how everyone can help play their role in actually helping out the restaurant scene, whether it be minority owned or small businesses or whatever it might be. Really, really powerful conversation all the way through. I had so much fun talking to Alex and I know you guys can enjoy this episode, whether you're from Chicago or outside of the area. So let's get into it right now so you can hear from Alex himself. This is episode 125 with Alex Jewell. Yo! Hey, dude. Hey, Alex. How's it going? Good to see ya. You too. How are you? I'm awesome. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta get set up. No problem, man. Finagle it. Hey, Arter. Oh, look at that view. Yeah, it's not too, not too bad. No, it's not. <laughs> That's awesome. I think I know where you moved to. Is there that little park next to you? You're kind of like right west of Greektown. What? Are you right west of Greektown? Is that where your location is? No. No, I'm at like Clark and Polk. Oh, a little south. Like Dearborn Station. Yes. Nice. How long have you been there? Um, since 2016. I thought you just moved. Didn't I see a video of that recently? Yeah, so we moved. This is my fourth unit in the building. Oh, same building. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same building, but I keep getting promoted. 
promote it. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I started on like the eighth floor. I went to the ninth floor. We went to the sixteenth floor, and then they literally paid us to move up to this floor um, with a better view because this company bought out the whole floor on the sixteenth. What? Yeah. Yeah, they bought the whole thing out because they're like, um, it's called Casa, and it's like an Airbnb kind of thing. Oh, I've heard of that, actually. Yeah, they, they try to market more towards, like, business people. Um, so you have people who are there for, like, a month. Um, but then you also have the people who just, like, run it out for a party on the weekend, and, and it gets crazy. Oh, jeez. So, so it's, yeah. like, short-term rentals, then. Yeah. Oh, dude, I should wear my storm hat. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna change hats. We're going on a tour of the apartment too. <laughs> yeah, we're going on a little adventure. Is West Loop Soul there with you? No, she took the puppies out. This is this is where she would be. This is our <laughs> new plant. Very nice. Alright, where did I put I know you love your hats. Yeah, your head is somewhere. We still, I feel like we still haven't done very much with our actual, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever interviewed somebody who has a Sherm hat on too. This is special. There you go. Wow. You still got the Alex drip too. Like it's still your style. It works. <laughs> yeah. My, well, I was worried that I was losing my hair. And then it, like, after COVID, I don't know, I guess just being locked up inside, brought it back. <laughs> I can't get it cut. Dude, I didn't get my hair cut for, like, three months. And I realized that I, when I started, like, kind of growing up, I grew up in the area where the fade became popular. Because I forgot my Jufro used to come out like this with little curls coming out to the side here. And I was like, oh, yeah, that hasn't happened yeah, to me in a long like, time. The curls happen on this side, and, like, the straight, I don't know. I definitely have some, like, curls underneath. <laughs> <laughs> Your hair is long, man, especially since I last yeah. saw you. Wow. Look at that. Sherm hat connection. How's it feel, Alex? That's a good screenshot, huh? That is a good screenshot, yeah. <laughs> we'll save that one for later. <laughs> yeah, Dude, how are you, man? How are you? I'm killing it. Just like eating a lot. Yeah. Um, not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging out. Tree, right? <laughs> Doing what you do best. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is weird because I was like part of how I justified how much I ate is that I used to just go every, I was doing stuff all the time. Right. I'd walk everywhere. Like we would, no matter where we were at dinner, we'd walk home the full way. Right. So, you know, it's pretty definitely a huge change in lifestyle for sure of like being everywhere all the time and then now just like being everywhere all the time virtually <laughs> yeah man so, you've been yeah. i i, I want to tell you right away i've i've loved what you've been using your platform for alex um obviously uh you know we share a lot of the same views and it doesn't even have to be political it's just humanitarian and i really respect yeah uh the yeah, messaging the element, you know? yeah man like <laughs> You're, you're, you're spreading information and, um, you, you know, there was a lot of misinformation going around uh, for the past couple months. And I always knew I could go to your page, not only for great food advice, but also for factual information on what's going on in the world. So props to you there, sir. 
Thanks, yeah. No, it's hard. I mean, we're in the digital age, and, you know, especially, like, a generation above us and then the, the boomers above them, they, they weren't they weren't prepared for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they weren't prepared for the onslaught of just, you know, mass information where a good bulk of it is not reliable. And so, you know, we grew up in that age where we had to write, like, research papers and be accurate, and we had to kind of figure that out. And even then, you saw a lot of people our age still that are just, like, not, you know, not connected. But there's a huge problem where these generations are suddenly online and they're not ready for it. They, they're not prepared for this. And they've already been established on a baseline of false information that they don't know anything else. You know, because when they were growing up, it was a single source of truth, right? Yeah. You put on the news and it was just the news. <laughs> Dude, um, well said. You know, it wasn't Tucker Carlson, you know, ranting about something that he felt personally. And you could go to the library and get a book out. You could read the encyclopedia. And it's like, well, that's pretty, it's probably reliable. Yep. You know? But and not that it, there wasn't bad information in, in existence, but it was a lot harder to attach yourself to bad information back then. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because now it's, you're literally being targeted with it. And that's a whole different <laughs> Dude, game for sure. So, I, 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 I mean, it has just been crazy, the world of social media. I actually, you know, me and you, of course, this is, this is really how we built our brands and our name. I had to take time off it there for, for a little while because it was like a minefield, right? Like, yeah. I, just, I just wanted clear information, and Twitter is a minefield. Instagram was a minefield. <laughs> Facebook always has been a ticking time bomb. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just been crazy, man. And, of course, what happened just two days ago is, is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I think people, people are having trouble thinking entirely differently about our system. And, and, you know, they're, they're still in this vein of, like, well, we'll just improve on something. We'll yeah. just, like, talk about it. Yeah. Um, and we're really past that point <laughs> um, because it's just not working. Like, there's something integral to the system. There's something, you know, deeply rooted in it that's broken. And, like, what do we do about that? You know, and I, have, I don't have all the answers of, like, what to do about that, but I certainly know for for sure that something's broken. <laughs> and, you know, and that's, that's really – I think all – people are asking for it's just acknowledgement of that by the general public of like this shit's broken yeah and half the public it costs them nothing to do that it costs you nothing to acknowledge something's wrong and half the public's like well like what what was he what was is he like guilty of something (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like well either way it's not anybody else's job to figure out if he's guilty of something you know it's not your job it's not it certainly wasn't a police's job to figure out if he's guilty or not and even if he He's guilty of something. The the punishment is certainly not shooting him seven times. You know, like that's and it's like because they get distracted by things that have been given to them to be distracted by. Yeah, they can't understand fundamentally what's flawed and the reasoning that got them there. Yep, absolutely, Uh, absolutely. I saw such (laughs) a simple statement about it is you know arresting someone does not give them the right to kill someone, right? Like that's not the role of a police officer, and it really should be that simple, but. Gosh, that's a whole other Instagram live interview, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, man, we're yeah. here. We're here to talk about you. Um, obviously, you and I connected a few months ago, right before the pandemic, literally a week before. Uh, yeah. You know, we had a, a great time in Uptown, and um, I knew that after connecting with you that day, I wanted to have you on the show and get your full story, man, because you are full of stories. 
So say the word again. And uh, I, I really, I really loved your your energy and your attitude, and um, I'm excited to get every get the whole the whole journey. For sure. Yep. So we're gonna start from the beginning, okay, Alex? You ready? The beginning. We're gonna go deep. Wow. Because <laughs> it's food, man. It's something everybody can relate to, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before we can even talk, we're eating. That's right, man. That is oh shit. That is so true. I've never even thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's something we all can understand is food right and um you know i i know a lot of answers to these questions but i want to share with the world man where are you originally from alex i'm from cleveland cleveland um, and I, I like to joke that you know cleveland's kind of what chicago was before the fires you know yeah. that all is just like a good fire <laughs> <laughs> i remember you telling me that yeah <laughs> but no man yeah i love cleveland cleveland's home for sure how long have you been in chicago then I moved here in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved here for school and uh, discovered, like, just the, the city and the culture, and I fell in love with it, man. Like, Chicago's my city for sure. Absolutely. So Where'd I you go to college, from? Hmm? Where'd you go to college? I went to Nepal, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm what they call a double demon, because I did my undergrad and, and master's in, this, in the same, like, five years or so. Um and uh, so I'm forever imprinted by the demons. What did how did what did you how did you do that? That's insane. They do, yeah. It's called a, um. Yeah, I don't I don't remember the name, but it's like a five year program. Yeah. Where you start kind of taking classes that count as both the undergrad and the grad credit mm-hmm. uh, earlier on, and then what they kind of don't tell you is like you're gonna die that fifth year. <laughs> <laughs> um, like it's. A lot of people don't finish it in the in the you know that fifth year. Yeah. Ginger, my friend Ginger is actually on here, I think, and she, uh, Ginger, if you're on here, say hi. But she was um she was in the program with me, and so she did it too. But yeah, it's it's very grueling because you essentially have to take like two or three, you have to take like three classes sometimes at a time, grad yeah. classes. Yeah. Um, and so especially like a lot of people by that point you're working like I had I had some other jobs and then I was also tutoring as part of the graduate assistantship so I was in the, this windowless tutoring lab there like, she is hi Ginger oh there she is <laughs> she knows she's alive though <laughs> yeah she's alive yeah she she got here can <laughs> confirm <laughs> so yeah so it was it was definitely an interesting fifth year you know it's the only time in your life where you can't confirm it's the only time in your life where you can really like pull something like that off because any other time like right now I couldn't do that shit at all <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah somehow we did it <laughs> I don't know but yeah so a lot of people do it in six years kind of more realistically but of course well then when did this best food Alex or uh, you know the best food Alex brand start I know there was uh, you know kind of a journey from best food I think you remember uh, you mentioned something about some guys in Michigan what was kind of like the story there the timeline between maybe when you got to Chicago and the brand started yeah, so I wasn't really, like, doing stuff with food until, like, 2013 or so is really when I started zeroing in on food. And I, you know, back then the term influencer wasn't a thing. Like, nobody was, nobody was like, I'm an influencer. You know, it just wasn't, <laughs> we weren't using that terminology yet. Yeah. Um, I think maybe there was, like, an article that called Kim Kardashian an influencer, but, <laughs> you know, it, like, wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. Um, but around that time is, like, when a lot of people were leaving, um, they were just leaving media conglomerates and, and big media organizations because they just didn't trust those opinions. They knew that there was sort of another agenda there sometimes. 
they weren't they didn't feel like they were responding to stuff by real people yeah um and so in mass people were starting to follow like real people on instagram particularly and they're doing it through hashtags and things like that and so i was working in nightlife around the time yeah and i was just out a lot eating and like post a picture of like you know sushi or something in river north and i'd use certain hashtags and i started noticing that like people i didn't know would follow me and it was a little bit thrilling because they're like oh my god like i don't know this person (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so it was pretty cool like it just sort of happened out of nowhere i was just sharing stuff i noticed that food always did the best you know better than like here's my dress shoes at you know some bar like nobody really gave a shit about that but (laughs) you know when you're like here's a new york strip with like butter glistening and stuff like that like people are like yeah that's what i want in my mouth yeah it just sort of took off the Channel 5 News reposted some of my pictures in 2014. I got invited to my first event in 2014. It was me, like, and the Tribune and all these real media people. And I just remember feeling like an outsider because I was like, man, I hope they don't, like, ask who I'm with or, like, see my iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's been a journey, man. Like, it changes all the time. That's incredible, man. And when, when did actually Instagram launch? Man, you're asking me these trivia questions? I know. It was, it was, I remember it kind of started, I, I was, it must have been 2009, 2010, 2011. I remember. 2010. Yeah, it was the year that I graduated. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the platform has been what I would say today now, 10 years later, 2020, is based around a lot of influencers, right? And yeah. there is a lot of negative connotation. There's a lot of positive yeah. things about it too, right? a lot right? of that shit, yeah. There is, yeah. man. Have, have you had to deal with people along the way that are like, who is this guy? Like, he's just posting pictures of food, right? I mean, there's always haters, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. You, it's sometimes an uphill battle, especially with, like, businesses that you work with. Um, oh, and I'll tell a little bit about the best food thing because that was kind of your original question. So, yeah, sure, go ahead. So, I was, it was just my name before that. I was just Alex Jewel Alex. And... Around that time, there was this best food brand that had accounts like all over the world, actually. They had accounts in Australia and the UK and all this stuff. And it was really just two guys in Ann Arbor, Michigan that had started this brand. And it was starting to just get too much for them. So in each city, they found somebody to like take over the brand. And so that's when I got Best Food Chicago. There was like a few thousand followers on it. It wasn't huge. And I just sort of like... I changed my name to Best Food Alex to sort of like support that brand. Yeah. And it grew together. Like that brand grew really fast because when you just repost people, um, they tag their friends, they get excited. They like, you know, it causes a lot more engagement because you're just sort of like tickling people's egos. And <laughs> so that, I got that account up to like 77,000. And so when my account started really growing along with it, it's kind of like, we had some differences in opinion on how to run it. Like the two guys in Michigan were still kind of like stakeholders and I was like, you know what, I'm just, like, going to keep my name and just do my own thing. But, like, yeah. I appreciate, like, all you guys have done. So I kind of just, like, handed it back. And <laughs> um, now it sort of just runs itself. There's a lot of, like, community leaders that choose content for it. They're smaller accounts, and they choose content for it. It's all automated. And point. it's at Best Food Chicago, then? Yeah, that's Best Food Chicago. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool that you built that up, though, man. I mean, 70,000 followers in that time. What year yeah. was that, then? What? What year was that? Oh, that was probably 15 or 16. Yeah, 2015 or 2016. So you were really getting the hang of it. Yeah. You were really getting the hang of it, though, by then, Alex, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you started seeing, like, thousands and thousands of people sort of just, like, flocking. Food was taking off. You know, the Chicago food scene was huge. You had 
you know, people like Stephanie Azard, like, kind of growing the, like, food community in Chicago. West Loop started bustling. Yep. And, you know, River North was still, you know, always a hub of it. Yeah. And food is just taking off. And Instagrammable food was taking off. Yeah. So a lot of it was, like, right place at the right time. Um, and so that's, that's how we got here. I mean, that's awesome, dude. And listen, I know how hard it is. I'm still trying to grow this, this media brand. And we're in this digital age where yeah. it can be your biggest strength and weakness. And that's why I kind of mentioned, like, there's a lot, always people hating out there, right? Because in any sort of creative field where people can yeah. have yeah, it's, <laughs> an opinion. Um, the, yeah, no matter what you do, man, they're like, you know, it, it, it sort of goes with the territory. And, I, like, I crack up a lot because – people just, you know, the larger you get to, the more, like, just weird shit that you deal with. Um, I have, like, a whole group of followers that, they're just, like, Trump supporters who just follow me just to, like, they only comment on the political posts that I have, like, just to be, like, you know, and I'm like, you don't have to, you don't have to follow, like, you, nobody's making you yeah. <laughs> follow me, but it's almost like you end up with this weird, like, frenemy relationship with them where you just, you just know them for a while because they followed you for a while, they respond to everything, you disagree yep. on everything, but, yep. like, you kind of have, like, a soft spot in your heart for these terrible people, and then you also <laughs> have, like, the people, I have people that, you know, they kind of get upset about fair things, but it's also, like, things outside of my control, you know, where they're, like, you're using too much plastic in your pic- in your videos. Like, I'm very upset about, <laughs> like, I can't, the restaurant's bring me plastic. Like, I get it. I get it. But, like, also, <laughs> I'm not bringing my own, like, little silverware pouch. <laughs> like, I, you know, like, <laughs> like, what I've always liked since I've been following you um, is kind of the authenticity behind it, right? Like, yeah. You're 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 not some like you are a great guy, but you're not just some like person in LA or New York. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just like doing it and moving it on. Like I really feel like I'm there with you when like you're talking about the food, when you're explaining the food, and from when I actually did it with you, it was really cool to see your relationships with the people who are cooking the food and own the yeah, restaurant. That's, right? that's everything. Yeah, that's everything. And I yeah. wanted to ask you, sort of like, in a city like Chicago, where it's the Midwest, right? But it's still a melting pot. What do you think is the reason why the Chicago food scene has grown so much? Is it the people who are in the kitchen? Is it the people that are building these businesses? What do you think makes Chicago Chicago? I think what makes Chicago Chicago is the fact that, I mean, honestly, it goes back in history. Yeah. You look at, like, the World's Fair, and you look at, like, sort of the culture that was established here for all sorts of things, you know, like business and culture and food. And you, you see the way that it, like, you ended up with the, the passion for, like, you know, just creating something good. Um, but you also have, like, Midwestern comfort and homeliness to it. And then you also have, like, the business of the East Coast. And you have, like, the, the progressiveness and, like, you know, willing to be creative of, like, the West Coast. Yep. And you have, like, all of that sort of, like, melted together in this, like, metropolis on the lake. And, <laughs> and it's, you know, it's that's what comes in the food, right? Is that we're world renowned for a lot of things. Um, and that speaks in like, you know, that, that, that culmination of all the best parts of the rest of the country, just in one place. And I think that's ultimately what makes Chicago, Chicago. Yeah, absolutely, man. And those the sorts grit, of things, right? there's like the grit to it too. Like we've had to build this thing from the ground up several times, <laughs> several um, times. Absolutely. You know, and that is that, however long ago it was, it still speaks a lot into the culture that we have here. Yeah, I would say the foundation of Chicago is literally built on mud. 
Like, when the settlers came over here, like, there were a lot of people who didn't want to build Chicago because it was so difficult to actually build a city, right? And then you mentioned the fire, right? Like, it's been through a lot, and I think the city, although it's world-renowned, it's one of the biggest cities in the world, it's still underestimated for the trials and tribulations we've been through. And I think that still culminates in the food, right? Yeah. And a lot of the other countries, like, the rest of the country doesn't really get it, right? Because the way the media kind of spins it is, like, oh, it's this violent terrible yeah. you know corrupt place and yeah we have these issues sure. but what's amazing about chicago is even though we have some of those you know admittedly they're they're faults of chicago there are things that just aren't working very well but, but despite those things maybe in spite of those things yeah um we've established something that the whole world can be proud of and like excited about and you know you see it just in the way people visit here I've, I know very few people that have visited Chicago, at least people that I've known, that I've like met up with and shown around. Yeah. I, I know pretty much no one that has come here and not had a good time and like not fallen in love with the city. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there's other great cities around the world that you get that same feeling, but it's obviously not the same feeling. You know, it's like, it, it's, there's something about it that like leaves people just wanting to be here, you know, and that's like a really cool thing. So. Absolutely. I agree. City, you know? that's, that's a good point. I was When you were saying that, I was like, yeah, you know, I've never actually had a friend, whether they were honest with me or not, they were like, man, you know, I can't come back to Chicago. It's, it's, it's not for me, right? Because there are yeah. so many different types of experiences that you can have here. And one thing that you know for sure is like all the different neighborhoods in Chicago, right? And yeah. to a lot of people who come here, um, you know, in their first year or two, maybe, right? There's River North, there's Downtown, there's Westwood, those types of places, right? But you, you know... I mean, Ukrainian Village, Greek Town, Chinatown, all these types of places. Um, I mean, with so much culture in each of those, Alex, what do you think is special about those individually, right? The melting pots, like all of the different ethnicities that are here. Like, what do you think the aspects of those that go into the food? Like, of course, like the tacos and Pilsen, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think what Chicago's done in some ways a bad job of, and in now and a good job yeah <laughs> it's a it's a it's kind of a win-lose but yeah the segregation of chicago is studied around the world by anthropologists and sociologists and stuff because it is significant in the way that the city itself has been broken apart mm-hmm. you can look at a city like new york that has way more you know cultures represented in it um not by much though to be fair like for the comparison in size and how many like you know, types of people we have represented in Chicago versus a city the size of New York. Yeah. I think within ratio, we're doing a better job. But, you know, obviously New York has a lot more. And yeah. you look at New York, and there's not necessarily, like, that seg- that level of segregation. There is some segregation. You have the boroughs and stuff, but each borough itself doesn't necessarily have, you know, that that pristine of, a, of an identity um, compared to places next to it. You know, yeah. and I think what Chicago is is, you know, the, the fact, whether it's good or bad, I'm sure there's some good parts and some bad parts, but yeah. it's ended up very, very separated into, into very identifiable parts. Um, and, you know, in some ways, the groups of people that live there, you look at Humboldt Park, for example. Yeah. I think Humboldt Park is an excellent example. Yes. Because they put down these huge metal flags for Puerto Rico, and they said, this is our town. Like, yeah. this, is, this is our place. And you guys can try to gentrify it. You can throw a cafe in here. They're like, but these are our flags, and this is our neighborhood. Yeah. And and so despite the segregation of Chicago, 
there's also this like strong pride and like this like dedication to up- upholding like where they come from and and who they are. Yeah. And that still fits within the larger puzzle of like what Chicago is, and I think that's the coolest thing. So yeah, there's challenges of it, and there's problems with gentrification, and there's there's problems a long time ago of the segregation that's caused this. But I think we've sure as hell made the best out of it, you know. It is a double-edged sword. I think that's kind of the, the over-encompassing point there, right? And I, I, you're right, you're right. But at the same time, it's such a special city in regards to how it actually is separated, too. But very good point there. And it, that's really interesting. I had no idea that there was so much deep studies going on with it. But at the same time, not surprised. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I want the people to relate to is something we always talk about, right? Would you rather go to a place with great food and bad service or good service and bad food, right? And I know you've probably experienced both. My question to you, is it possible to have both? And where have you been where you actually felt like you got the best experience? The best, like... Like, wow. Objectively, out of everywhere I've been, the best experience. Well, it doesn't have to be every, it doesn't have to be every place. You've been a lot of places. But I guess the, the question is, can you have both? How do you do both from your experience? Yeah, 100% you can have both. Um, I think sometimes it takes, like... The privilege of having enough money yeah. to do both. <laughs> um, you know, you see a lot of like hole in the wall restaurants that like could give a shit about service. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. And they don't they don't need to. You yeah. know, like you've got places like Kokoro and River North that uh-huh. have like excellent Japanese. It's easy to miss the place. You can walk past it. You don't go there if you go if you're in a rush. Hands down, like don't eat there if you're in a rush. <laughs> uh, you've got like a Chinese restaurant called Grand Palace. Yes. Just it's, it's near Bridgeport. And it's like Bomb food, like it's just—you feel like you're in these these this family's home, and they're making you like, you know, just what they would make for themselves. And mm-hmm. like, you're gonna be there a while, <laughs> um, and like, they're not always like they're not always there to like make you know to smile at you and like make pleasant conversation. That's not what they're trying to do. Like yeah. they're they're trying to make good food and make a living doing it. And those are the kind of places that really kind of warm your heart as long as you're not like an asshole. But, yeah, you know, there's, there's plenty of places that do have both, and they're able to kind of, you know, pull both off. And it's simply because they have maybe the funding to have, you know, just as much investment in the back of the house that they have in the front of the house. Of course. Um, they're the places where you can actually use those two terms to describe the experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think at the end of the day, it's possible, but it is somewhat of a, you know, it's, it's somewhat of a, of a privileged thing to be able for them to have resources and like the people around them to do that. Yeah, exactly. People who have a little skin in the game, whether it's a higher pay or they've a uh, family invested yeah. in it or whatever it might be, right? Do have, did they start right. the restaurant? Like I remember, um, I can't quite remember, I don't remember the name of the uh, restaurant we went to. They had like the super spicy papaya salad, but that guy, oh, yeah. yeah, that guy, yeah, yeah, that guy, the manager or the owner was like, I could tell like he, he truly cared about our experience, right? Like they had people coming up to us and stuff and I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe this food wasn't for me immediately, but I think I'm enjoying this experience more because they actually, you know, are enhancing this, this whole overall time that I'm having at the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, you know, there's, there are places too that are, they pull off both just because of like who they are personality wise, yeah. you know? And so I don't hold it against people who don't have that personality either, but there's, like, there are places where the owner, maybe it's, like, a couple or something, and, like, one's back there cooking, and one's just, like, in the front, like, super proud of what they're giving you. Yes. Um, You know, there's a Korean place, um, 
Wuchan. Wuchan. Oh, she's watching. Where is she? Yeah, Wuchan. Um, and they hand make, and they still make all of their banchan. It's still charcoal fire. And we were like shooting. She didn't know who I was or anything. And we were like taking videos and stuff. And she started cooking some of it. And she knows we we're taking videos. And just like the elation and pride on her face was like, I mean, she was so sweet and so excited to share her food with us. And then she saw us taking a video, and she's like, do my hands look good? Like, <laughs> you can just tell, like, the pride and excitement. And, like, that's a place that has, like, the full experience. Because you've got these people who are obviously very passionate about the food that they make because they're still hand-making things, and they're still using charcoal and doing all this stuff and making really good food. Um, but they also genuinely care about your joy and yeah. like, being there, and, like, that comes out. And I think a lot of the times when you start with that, the food will also speak for that, too. Yes, absolutely. And you, you kind of touched on it, right, from the actual consumer perspective, right? That sort of visceral experience that we get from maybe going to places like a food festival, a outdoor barbecue, of course, like waterside restaurants in downtown Chicago, food trucks, right? Well, do you know anything about maybe the actual, I think we talked about this, sort of that, that physiological, so, so like your actual like mental like level that you're at when you go to these places and you're like, it's enhanced, do you know anything about the actual science there, my man? I feel like I'm looking for some for some data on this stuff. So wait, let me let's back up a second. So you're you're talking about like what's the like the psychology of like different experiences? Yeah, like, like, like if I go to exactly exactly like if I go to an outdoor barbecue and I smell the barbecue right, and I'm in the environment right. rather than like if I went and made it at home. Of course, there's an, an invaluable aspect of making your own food, right? But what do you know about the actual like science behind those sort of things, and is it enhanced in any sort of way from the actual like visceral standpoint? Like I said. Yeah, I mean, well, food. A lot of what, a lot of what we enjoy about food is cultural, right? And yeah. that like that burns certain pathways, um, releases certain synapses in your brain mm -hmm. that are fight. I mean, you look at like the way adrenaline's released when when somebody eats, you know, and and like there's so many chemicals and hormones that are released just enjoying a meal and the experience of doing that in certain contexts that are, you know, remind you of something, um, that are involved other people. Yeah. And like there's cultural significance of doing it that way. The combination of all those things and the serotonin that's released and the adrenaline of it, like those things are ultimately what, what define enjoyment. There we logic, go. Right. Like that's, that's what happens. So if I just like warm up a lean cuisine in my apartment and you know, you're just sitting there alone, like digging at some watery lean cuisine, like that, that's not releasing, you know, that's yeah. survival. <laughs> like, like, yeah. If I don't eat this right now for dinner, my stomach's going to make noises and I'm going to be very uncomfortable. You know, like, that's, that's it. That's all it is. But when you're at a barbecue with friends or you're at, like going up to a food truck and you're like meeting the owner and you're like grabbing something that this person's created and it's like their livelihood that you're like contributing to and it's like it maybe even feels exclusive because you like track this food truck down or whatever the, the, the psychological elements of it are 
that creates the whole experience, those are ultimately what's released in the chemicals and make you feel good about it. You know, not just the taste, obviously. Yes, that was the answer I'm looking for. I couldn't formulate the question, but you you came away with what exactly I wanted. Thank you, sir. Because there, there is that. I'll send you an invoice later. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Sounds good. I, I figured I figured I was gonna get charged for this interview anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course. Influencer stereotypes, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> you, imagine, you imagine having influencer on it and then like you get a bill for it. <laughs> Oh man, I wish I could say I wouldn't. I wish I could say I would wouldn't be surprised, but you know how it goes, man. Um, Alex, one one thing that you've been doing a great job, like I said, of course, is still continuing to do your thing. I know you do have um, uh, a condition where you can't actually you're you're you know you have uh, prior health conditions, you can't go out. You've still been ordering a ton of food. Um, before I ask the main question, have you had any places that you can't order because they don't deliver that you're missing? named Sherry Dining Explorer she's like actually sometimes she'll randomly ask if there's like a place that I need food from and she'll deliver if she's gonna be down here anyway getting food and she'll just like drop it off like the kindness of like you know owners and chefs and people that like I've always supported and that like now they need my support yeah you know like it's it's super like it's just very humbling to like see the fact like people are still willing to like get food here so that I can try it and post about it um, but I can, off the top of my head, there's like a, there's a, there's a new, there's a new, there's a new, uh, we're looking for West Loop Soul again. <laughs> what are the cream? They're like, um, cream puffs. There's this new cream puff place. Oh shit. And it's owned by... ID, ID, JF or whatever, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cream puffs, man, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Beard, Beard Papas. So there's this new place called Beard Papas that just opened up that I haven't been able, they like, they asked me to come like swing by and I was like, I can't, but I like, this, these look so good. They've got all sorts of like, uh, creative flavors, Amazing. different colors. They got like, like oil oh. ones, shit like that. Wow. So, yeah. So that's one on my list that I gotta, I gotta check out. That's good, man. That's good. Yeah. Um, the question I wanted to ask, uh, of course, is how can we continue to support local restaurants? There's so many places, man. Like. You know, I, I love biking around the city, and it just breaks it breaks my heart to see all the places that have their doors closed, right? Like bars, little yes. restaurants. Um, it's sad. How how can we get in more information to support these local restaurants? And on top of that, maybe my minority-owned restaurants too. Yeah, like that's a huge focus that I've had lately. Is like there's so many black-owned restaurants that are maybe a little bit further south, and that like people, have, you know, you normally you're like, yeah, I like this place, but like now having that like different dimension to how we're thinking about food and thinking about supporting businesses. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, honestly following people like me, there's a place, there's a, there's an account called black, um, black people eats. Oh yeah. You've so shared them. I, I think like, I followed them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just like good 
shit. Like, it's just like, you know, supporting a, a local black influencer who's like supporting as many black restaurants as he can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like that kind of stuff is, is awesome. Like that's a way to, to really know where to order from. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, like, you know, there's kind of the traditional ways of you could buy gift cards for places even if you can't get over there. You know, you can, a lot of them might still have, old, like, active GoFundMes that you can contribute to. Yep. Um, you know, these are really, uh, Dish Roulette is still doing, like, they're doing random $500 giveaways here and there to, to like, a restaurant that needs it. Um, so you've got, you know, you've got places, you've got accounts and places that are doing what they can. Um and really, it's just a matter just eat, you know, like, <laughs> just, like, just order food and eat, because, you know, I know what you're talking about, like, I've seen videos and pictures of people going through Chinatown, for example, you just see every other door is just boarded up, because Chinatown was one of the first hit, because of all, like, you know, people suddenly became super racist um, towards Asian people, and really, it was fucking Chad at the beach spreading coronavirus all over the place, and people were like, I'm not going to go to Chinatown, you know, like, <laughs> so... You know, it's like Chinatown got hit not only with coronavirus and with the normal business stuff, but they got hit with immense racism. You know, even if it was implicit where people didn't even realize it, they just weren't supporting it like they used to. And a lot of these businesses are already selling stuff so cheap, their margins are pretty low. Yeah. You know, and so they, they just took it the hardest, man. Like, you know, these the Chinatown restaurants are not the ones bringing in millions of bucks. Like, these aren't the restaurants yeah. that can handle that change in business, you know? Um, some of these River North restaurants, obviously everybody's suffering, but you've got some of these, like, you know, these well-funded River North restaurants that are, you know, they were doing $10 million a night, you know, like places yeah. like that where, like, yeah, they need your support too, and if you've got, like, favorite stuff there, go for it, but right now is the time to support, like, the smaller places, the mom-and-pop shops, you know, the, the ethnic restaurants and, you know, the minority-owned restaurants. That's really where... Where a lot of our support's got to go. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, that, and that's a very good point, too, is, is those places that really do need it because they're working on some margins. I mean, there are so many industries that have been hit hard, right? I mean, the music industry, of course, festivals, shows, those are all canceled. The scope of a lot of different industries are changing. Do you think that the way we go to restaurants, the way we cook food, the way we import food, you know, as it relates to coronavirus, do you think that will change? And if so, how? Yeah, I mean, I was even just talking to my surgeon the other day about, like, you know, what the prospect of things getting back to, to normal right now. And, yeah. And I think in America, we've been extremely lucky in, in the way that we've never had to worry about germs as much. You know, yeah. like you have germaphobes and you kind of, like, worry about it sometimes. But you weren't sitting around a restaurant worrying that there was an airborne virus that could, you could get. Yeah. And, you know, we're already seeing people get reinfected. We don't have a vaccine yet. We're not really that close to one. Um, even if we do, it's probably going to be like a yearly vaccine at this point because you're seeing the viral envelope, yep. you know, mutate. And so we're looking at a, a relatively severe shift in culture for the long term because this isn't even the this isn't the last one. No, like this is a warning shot of like yeah. viruses globally are continually mutating and evolving to be worse. Yeah. And globalization, however great it is, causes, you know, the, the, pro- the possibility of before something's caught, it's spread around the whole world, you know? And so it, I think we're looking at major changes in how we live and how we think about the places we go. Like, I wasn't a huge fan of, like, 
touching people and like handshakes before, but like I think like right now the elbow thing is going to be cool. You know, like <laughs> it's just like an elbow here, a little bit more distance in restaurants, um, being more cognizant of when you're wearing a mask. Like these are things that we're going to have to get used to, used to. Because yeah. It's not necessarily, these aren't realistically, these aren't temporary. Right. I, I think that's been so. kind of the biggest crutch, especially maybe even the difference between, I mean, every day it seems different. Uh, I think I just saw today that, um, I don't know if it was Lightfoot or Pritzker, but you actually have to wear a mask when you're at restaurants now, too, when the waiter comes over. I don't did yeah, you I, saw that, yeah, too? I saw yeah, people, some people complaining about it. It's like, what, like, you know, I have friends that are perfectly normal, healthy, active people, and it's completely changed their lives, even after they don't have COVID anymore. Yeah. Like, they've got permanent heart damage, they've got permanent kidney damage, they've got, like, these issues. They have one, one guy that I know has some brain damage from it Jeez, like, man. these are serious things for perfectly normal healthy people this is not just the flu you know like it it's not just like i said it's not just the last one either and so you know wearing a mask when somebody comes over who's a who's a worker who most likely doesn't have health insurance and yep. you know they're putting their lives at risk to make a few bucks to live and the least shit that you can do is wear a mask out of respect for this person who's serving you despite the, the, the risk that they're taking to do so. Yep. So you better be wearing a mask and tipping out your ass for like for for having the luxury of being able to sit at brunch right now when the world is in chaos. You know, like that in itself should make you feel like, wow, like I need to contribute something back. I need to be respectful. I need to do everything that I can. Because just to be able to sit here right now and have a fucking mimosa is like a big deal. Dude. <laughs> so that that was so spot on, Alex. And and I might have mentioned this when we first hung out. My dad is a doctor. Uh, my mom was a nurse. Um, you know, I've been very heavily involved in the medical community. I'm not a doctor, obviously, but um, you know, my not knowledge. My attitude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay, you're right. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe I'll shift. Um, uh, we can end your scalpel, dude. You can figure it out. <laughs> I'll start maybe with dentistry. How about that? I do like the dentist. I, nobody like seems like the dentist, but I do. Uh, but I, I, I've seen it, you know, firsthand. My dad telling me what it's really like, and I have a lot of friends that um, are getting into the medical field, and um, it's just insane to me uh, hearing people's blatant disrespect uh, for others, right? And it's it's kind of put a lot of things in perspective um, for me, just kind of thinking about what's important in life. And you're right, you're right. And we, we have to do everything we can to help. And that's why I wanted to ask about my minority-owned restaurants. Like, how can we all be safe? And honestly, when it comes down to it, man, you said it perfectly. Like, we are, we are still living in luxury. Like, we can go out. Like, when we were even locked up, it was still, like, not all that bad. Like, okay, sure. We haven't ever, it, sh it was just like, it was, it was, it was what I call it, it was like white collar jail, right? I got visitation rights from my girlfriend. I could go exercise once a day, right? I could cook my own food. But other than that, I'm in my apartment. And it's just, it's kind of the fact of the matter and everyone really needs to accept it. The new normal isn't temporary. Right. So right. look at it long term. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think, I think a lot of industries are changed forever because we don't know how people are going to want to consume food, consume content, consume music, consume media, whatever it might be. People may not go to the movies like they used to ever again. What's going to happen to the movie industry? So there's a lot of moving pieces, but well said, man. Um, yeah, we got, I think what, what we see in times like this, too, 
not just in times of chaos, but also economic turmoil and all the stuff that's caused as a result, is you see people from their own homes, like, creating businesses. Yeah. And these are our friends. Like, these are people that worked at restaurants before. I think there's a couple, like, independent chefs on here now, like, that, that, that we know. And, like, those are the people we got to support. Because, yeah. like, you know, maybe they're furloughed. Um, maybe, like, they just decided this is the time that I'm going to explore, like, what I have to offer mm-hmm. on my own. And, like, supporting those people, too, is huge. You know, just, like, you know, buying their pastries or buying what they're working on, you know, supporting them. If you have the ability to do that. Yeah. Like, you know, I think that's – people sometimes misunderstand the concept of privilege as, like, oh, you're ashamed of who you are and what you have. And that's not it at all. Like, you know, not being – not being like proud of it is like different than like not be, you know like using it i think the important thing is what do you do with it right yeah and at the end of the day like if you've been given privilege and you have the ability or you have a job right now and you have income you like live in a you know in a, in a palace like do something with it support the people that are struggling like offer some, you know, even, even the things that don't cost anything, like I said earlier, just acknowledge, acknowledging and like supporting somebody's voice, just reposting something that somebody shared is like, that they're going through, um, their opinion on what's going on, because like my opinion on like what minorities are going through in this country, like what other people are like, people who are furloughed, what these people are going through, it doesn't matter what I think or like what I'm going through. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> like the people being affected by the broken system or by what's, what's happening right now, those are the voices that matter because like, I don't know shit, you know, like I only learn something by listening to some of these other people's experiences and looking at the data about it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being able to support that is, is huge. So, and yeah, you said, uh, you know, having an employment right now, like sparks of creativity. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, supporting your friend's creativity and supporting what they're doing. That's, that's everything, man. Like that costs you nothing to do that. And, if it costs you anything to like try stuff out and take pictures of and put online, like you're going to spend that on bullshit anyway. So like, (laughs) you know, let's, you know, this is a moment for us to like pull together, you know, people will argue about, they'll, they'll argue positions that don't really benefit them. Like they're just them like being stubborn in how they think instead of challenging their own worldview, like stop wasting energy on that and waste some energy on like helping people. That's it. That's literally all you have to do. Just acknowledge voices you know, spend some dollars on, on people that are struggling. And if you're going to be a bitch about it, like contribute something positive as a result. Like that's all I, you know, that's, that's all I can say about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you, you kind of, you, you've put it so well so many different times, Alex. And, and this is why I like you is because you really, you look at it, you see both sides, right? And you're in, although you have your views, right? You always are willing to listen. And that's just what I ask of people when I have the conversation, right? Like, Sure, I have my own views, and yes, it's tough to be in the middle these days, and if it's a lot of times if you talk to someone else who's in the middle, they're like, well, shouldn't you be one way or the other? And I think we, more than ever, we have to be honest about who we are and our opinions, and then still accept the others and learn, and that's what I've seen a lot from, which has been very encouraging, but there's always going to be people who aren't willing to change, right? And, and I think we'll... We'll just those they'll roll over and, and times will change and we'll figure that out. But it's important to have conversations like you are ha- you and I are having right now because there's a bigger message and issue at hand. And it's not I can't go to the bar with my friends and rip shots next to each other right now, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and it, like a lot of people where I think were kind of shocked. I've lost a good amount of followers just because of like what I'm yeah. talking about, and because I did overnight kind of go from like sex jokes and burgers 
to like real shit and burgers, you know, and I, <laughs> yeah. I had humor and like, I'm still myself. Like, in fact, I'd argue I'm more myself and like the content I'm producing, but there's a certain point where you can't just sit around in your luxury and like ignore what's happening in the world and what's affecting a lot of people that follow me. Yeah. You know, it's almost inconsiderate. It's like disrespect for those people for me to be like, here's an advertisement about, you know, like, like something, you know, it's like, I, I still do some ads, but like, I'm, if, if you're quiet in times like this, like, I think that says a lot about who you are. And like right now, there's just too much going on. There's too many of our friends and family and people being affected by stuff. And you can't be complicit in it. It's like important to, you know, and that's why I kind of switched my brand a little bit to be a little bit more vocal. And, you know, if people don't like it, then that's, you know, they can go follow somebody who posts pictures and writes captions that robots could have written. Yeah, so. I wanted to ask you that. <laughs> I, I, seriously, man, I wanted to ask you that. Like, um, you know, you as a person are, are very strong-willed and, um, you know, you wear your heart on your sleeve in many different ways. How do you, through just you know, as simple as it is taking a picture of food and tagging them, right? But through your captions, through the way you speak, what do you think the Best Food Alex brand is maybe now, today, in comparison to where it was a few years ago? Yeah. I mean, I think, like, before all the, the stuff within the last year, I think it was really, it was just bold, in-your-face food port. And, like, that's great. That's, like, still an, the, the driving, you know, content force of what I'm doing. You know, it's still, like, the stuff you can get messy with. It's still, like, you breaking the rules. You know, it's still you saying, like, fuck you to die. It's, like, that's what I post about. It. Like, yeah, being empowered to have some balance in your life where you're not, like, feeling bad about everything you eat and just enjoying the city you're in, like, that's really the, the heart of what I do. But I think I've carried that bold factor a little bit further mm-hmm. to, like, also be socially aware, right? And, and I think that's something that, people connect with even more because I've always been authentic. I've always been myself. Yeah. I've never played the stupid, like, you know, drama of you know, a lot of influencers. I've never played into like, here's me removing my personality from what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I've never done that. Um, but I've also, I also haven't always given a shit about like the things around me as much in my content. Like even if I personally supported something political or like cared about a certain plight of some, you know, some group of people, I kept my brand, I was compartmentalized a lot, and I kept my brand separate from that just because, you know, I didn't feel the need, I didn't feel motivated to do that. Yeah. And part of growth, like, part of waking up sometimes and realizing, like, this shit's too important, um, I carried that boldness factor beyond just, like, here's a sex joke, and I, like, carried that boldness factor to say, like, we have the opportunity, and on this platform, I have the opportunity to, like, do something um, to make the world better. And, you know, so that's, I think that's sort of like, I still, still remain really true to who I am, who yeah. my con- what my content's always been, but it's just evolution, you know, it's like evolution of being more socially aware because all the people that follow me are real people who like are affected by things right now. And by rec- by recognizing that, by acknowledging that, um, I think it also helps me connect better with people. So, and it helps me use my voice to acknowledge those conditions and do something about it. So. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, man. And once again, I want to commend you for, you know, speaking out and using your platform, you could say, for good, right? But I think you're doing something better than it's good. I think you're doing something that's great, Alex. And it's amazing to see you speaking your voice, using your platform, giving other people the opportunity to communicate with each other, learn from each other. And it's just really cool and powerful to see, man. And I mean that. 
Awesome, dude. Thanks. Of course, of course. We got a, a few minutes left. I want to ask you. We're gonna do a quick speed round, okay? And I know you hate oh. me. You know, I know you hate me putting you on the spot, but it's only it's five categories, okay? It's five I categories. For the speed round. <laughs> I almost wanted to send this to you beforehand, but I was like, no, no, no. I'm gonna challenge him. Oh, not yet. So I'm gonna say five different types of food. And I want you to give me the top one or two that rattles off. If you have more, go for it, okay? You ready? All right. Yep. Okay. Chicken sandwich. So, oh, you want me to tell you, like, my top places to get a chicken sandwich? Okay. Yes. I, I didn't explain I that, did I? I follow now. <laughs> um, Big Boss Spicy Chicken. Um, Royster still had, like, a really good fried chicken. Yeah. Um, so there's this place called CJ's. And they originally, it's a black-owned restaurant. They're originally going to leave Chicago because it's getting too hard to, like, they're just, they're split between here and L.A. Mm -hmm. And CJ's Chicken, people were so mad that they were leaving. I posted about it, very upset. <laughs> um, <laughs> tried just to give them as much support as possible, and they decided they're going to stay. So that's huge. Um, and Miss T's, Miss T's Fried Chicken, too, is awesome. It's another black woman-owned restaurant. Love it. So, Love it. Okay, enough. hamburger. Uh, the Loyalist, for sure. Um, Mont Street, um, Little Bad Wolf, Mallard Tavern. Yes, yes, love Mallard. Easy to get to as well. I love Mallard. It's it's quick, great restaurant. Okay, sushi. Um, there's this place called Lawrence Fish Market. Yes, Mallard. all the way up. Just, uh, like, they've got like a couch basically. Like, chill out, and you just get a platter, super good shit. There's a place called Rice Sue, um, and, like, they're, I am not joking, like, they're doing Michelin-quality food, and it's low-key, not a lot of people know about it. They've got, this is gonna sound weird, but they've got a, um, banana seaweed salad. I know, it sounds wild, but it's delicious. <laughs> so, yeah, Rice Sue, too. Okay, awesome. All right, Asian, and this can be Chinese, Korean, whatever in that region. Oh, that's so wide. I know. <laughs> oh, man. There's so many categories. Okay. So, bubble tea, saukala. Mm -hmm. um, oh, my God. I'm trying to narrow it down in my head. Um, dim sum, sai. Uh-huh. Um, Szechuan, Szechuan JMC. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chef Zhang is good too. Um, God, that's hard. I know. Korean is, is Wu Chan, the one place we talked about. Yep. Um, uh, pho is Pho 888. Remember, we were up in Uptown. I think I told you about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's like. There's so many categories. Grand Palace is one I mentioned a little bit earlier. Yeah. Grand Palace is fantastic. You feel like, you know, it's Hong Kong family style kind of food. Mm hmm Delicious. Love that. Um, yeah. I can, I've actually written, I can share a link later. I've written a whole, I did a whole guide for kayak.com on Chinatown restaurants. So I'll, I'll, I'll give that link too. That's also, it kind of is pretty extensive. Amazing. Okay. Last but not least, and we could probably do this another whole hour Instagram. Mexican. Okay, so that's also that's that's like I'm killing you. <laughs> okay, so 
bar. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. Um, there's also... share that for sure man um i wish instagram didn't have a limit it's pretty annoying but uh last is it, is it only an hour yeah it's ridiculous don't, man. They, don't they know who we are dude i was gonna say we need another hour <laughs> but uh 30 seconds left man alex right. mass massive shout out to you again this has been such a great conversation um one more time i just want to acknowledge you for using your platform for all the right reasons and that's food and love and dude i got a lot of respect for you and this has been a great conversation I got a lot of respect for you too and we've got to do more as soon as the world is like not back to normal but like safer yeah and we've got some guidelines and shit we got to do another food tour do check out another neighborhood one of the great neighborhoods